This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, before we hit the content that we're going to go into today, I had a very cool thing that happened on Instagram. So from time to time, I encourage you guys, hey, if something I say that comes up that you you have a question about or if you're angry about or anything like that happens, just hit me up. You can hit me up on Instagram. You can hit us up, uh, the email, just info at undaunted.life. And I do actually get quite a few messages from you guys, but I do get some that are kind of in the same vein. They, they kind of end up kind of in that same area, same type of question. But this was just kind of, this was a really cool thing because this was a message that I first got sent back in January and it just came to fruition. So enough with the setup. Let me just kind of get into it. So this guy who I won't tell you who he is, he sent me a private message on Instagram and this is what he said. And just so you know, it's kind of like jumbled up a little bit because it's just kind of like common language. So if I don't read it super smooth, it's just because it breaks up the message and it's kind of typed in sentence fragments, whatever. I'll, I'll do my best here. So here we go. Hey, Kyle, I've really enjoyed your content on here and through podcasts. I align with so much of what you're saying. I'm also local in Edmond and still ironing out what God wants for me as far as men's ministry, but it is something he won't let me shake. My big question that you may or may not have an answer for is how do we get men to the point to care or change? I feel like so many guys in my church are passive, not keen on growth or pushing, and I can relate because four years ago I was probably the same, but since then I have been on this path of manhood and masculinity in Christ, of being bold and called to action. I could talk on it all day, but that doesn't mean they will listen or spark change. I feel like most of my push for them falls on deaf ears or just too much work for what they quote-unquote think they have time for. It pains me as a man for men I'm surrounded by at church to not have the same drive and urgency about themselves. And obviously this extends beyond my own church and just men in general of how, of how do we get them to, I don't know if that's what he meant to say. Basically, how do we get them from a place of passivity and complacency to a stage or drive and willingness to work on themselves for God, their wives, their kiddos, etc.? Thanks for any advice on this man. Oh, by the way, my name is, and I won't say his name. So the thing about it was, is on Instagram, you can actually respond with voice messages, right? And so I sent him basically four different voice messages, so about four minutes uh, worth of messages. And I'll keep uh, a lot of the content kind of, you know, between him and I, but the general gist of it was, is man, your story is not unique because I get this question a lot. And so that just proves to me that this is not a unique occurrence with a lot of people. This is something that a lot of people run into. And so it's kind of one of those things, like think about whenever you found something that, you know, is really awesome. Maybe it's a movie or a new restaurant or like new shoes that are great for running in or something like that. You find it and then you become an evangelist for it, right? You want to just tell everybody about this, this great thing that they've got to see or experience or do or whatever. And then when people don't get nearly as excited as you do 
about it. It's kind of like, oh, man, you know, why aren't they as excited as I am? Well, the same thing happens if you get really excited about Christianity or really excited about manhood or anything like that. You just can't expect the guys around you to be on that same path. Now, that isn't your excuse to not reach out to them. It isn't your excuse to not, you know, try and get them to be better and, and things like that. It's certainly not what I'm saying. But at the same time, it's really, really hard for them to kind of match that. And so basically what I told this guy to do is model it. If you don't have a group of guys that meet on a regular basis that you look to and trust and all those things, then be the be the trailblazer. Be the first person that starts it. Start a thing. Just pick anything. Pick anything and just dedicate yourself to it and try to get a couple of guys to do it with you, right? Try to get a couple of guys ingrained in the process. And it might grow and it might not. But that's the thing about male community is there are male communities that are already set. You know, you've got military, police academies, teams, fraternities, like these things are already set. You can be a member or not be a member. You can earn your way onto that team or you can lose your way off of that team, whatever the situation might be. But at the end of the day, it just kind of is what it is. So I responded to him, you know, he immediately said, thank you. And again, that was back like at the end of January of this year. And so all of a sudden in this past week, I get this message from him as a follow-up. Just wanted to follow up here. I took your advice and challenged them. Did a book study in Play the Man each week and challenged for them to try and complete uh, by the next time we met. Following the book over the summer, I challenged them to form a mental, physical, and spiritual goal to complete by August. Surprisingly, I got 17 men to sign up and at least form goals, which was a huge win. I was happy with three. Now, not all kept uh, kept up with them, but it was a start. Last thing as part of the challenge, I said for those willing slash interested, we would hit a back tr- backpacking trip in Colorado to scale a 14er. So I got seven guys to commit, including myself, and completed that challenge two weeks ago. Just wanted to say thank you for your encouragement in our last conversation and for your content you provide weekly, brother. And then he sent me a picture of him and his group of dudes at the top of, uh, looks like it's Mount Massive. Yeah, that's Mount Massive in Colorado. And so that's just kind of one of those things, guys, is is this guy just so happened to be in my community, but he found me through, you know, Instagram and this podcast. He found this ministry through Instagram and that podcast. And the thing is, is there was nothing special about what I said. Like, that's the one thing that I want to make sure that you're hearing. There was nothing special whatsoever about what I told him to do. It's pretty basic. You know, what letter comes after A, B, like it was just kind of one of those things that was just clearly the next step in the process, but he just, he did it. And so that's my encouragement to any guy out there listening that's, you know, lamenting the fact that they don't have a group of guys that gets together and goes and, you know, tackles 14ers, that they don't have a group of guys that gets together on Sunday nights and trains jujitsu and, and does all those different things and reads books and pushes each other. And they just lament that. And it's just like, you know, what's, what was stopping those guys from starting those groups to begin with themselves? That was it. But those guys set out and did it. Whether someone gave them motivation or they just, you know, kind of had gas one day and they're like, okay, I'm going to finally do this thing. It doesn't matter. That's essentially what they needed to do. They just needed to strike out and do it. And so again, guys, if you are in the Edmond, Oklahoma City area of Oklahoma, come hit me up at the Forge in Edmond at seven o'clock every Sunday. We've got a group of guys between 10 and 20 guys that show up, read books. We train jujitsu. We do workouts. It's a great community of people. But if you don't live in this community, which is Just about everybody that listens to this podcast, if you don't have something like that already, just create it. 
Okay, guys, let's go ahead and transition into the content for today. I've actually been wanting to do this content for a very, very long time because I found this video a while ago. But let me just, uh, before I get into it, let me just kind of give you a little bit of the background. So again, like I've said many times on this podcast, I am not necessarily a gigantic fan of President Donald Trump. I had two opportunities for to vote for the man as a registered Republican in Oklahoma. I chose not to vote for him in the primary. I chose to vote for uh, Rubio. And I chose to leave the top of my ballot blank for president of the United States in 2016 because I didn't think either uh, him or Hillary Clinton met my kind of basic standards of human decency. And I don't think either one of them warranted my vote. Now, I can safely say that I've been pleasantly surprised with how pro-life he has been with how conservative he has been for how pro-military he's been like all the things that, that I really, really like and enjoy. He's been, he's been on the right side of a lot of those things. I wish he would just turn his Twitter off. I wish he would just stop saying so many petty, stupid things, but Hey, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. He's the vessel that's getting some of these things done. Uh, It just kind of is what it is. But today is not about the 2020 election and whether or not I feel like I can vote for Donald Trump. This is about the person that was my favorite person so far in the Trump administration. Now, if you've been following the Trump administration for any length of time, you know this to be true. The guy's kind of had a revolving door. He's had a revolving door of people. He hasn't had a lot of people that have been with the tenure for very, very long that aren't related to him. And so they just haven't been in the administration for a long time. But my very, very favorite person that he has had under his employ was General James Mattis. He was the secretary of defense for several years under his leadership and he left and, you know, there's some, you know, conflicting reviews or of his time there, but there were also some conflicting reasons why he left. But I was just so excited about him being at the helm because after eight years under the Obama administration, which Obama, Obama made sure that he weakened the military. Uh, he didn't want us to have this, this might internationally. Uh, that we had experienced for such such a long length of time. And he actively did things against that, which I was never really a fan of. And you could kind of see that in some of the people that he... Um uh, he promoted, and I'm trying to say this as politically uh, positive as possible, but some of the people that he promoted, just they weren't the war dogs. They weren't the people that w- you would want to go in there to end a war or to you know basically destroy the enemy. But General James Mattis is that guy. And so this is not a podcast about his bio. He's got, you know, books out there, go to his Wikipedia page, all those different things. This is specifically about a leadership, about his leadership lessons that he, that he can come up with, because this is the type of guy that, you know, if you just take him in terms of sound bites, it would be really, really easy to misunderstand how deep this guy is. And there's one soundbite, which is basically my favorite soundbite, maybe from the entirety of the Trump administration, and it's actually this one right here. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. If you missed it, I'll play it for you again. Here you go. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. Dude, I don't care if you like military people. I don't care if you're impressed by stuff like that. That's some pretty gangster stuff right there. I, I keep people awake at night. Like, and he just, it was deadpan how he delivered it. I actually included the uh, link to that little six second clip there for you guys. That was on an interview for Face the Nation. So this was an interview that was done on national television and that was his response. So that's just the type of guy that General Mattis is. He is basically a Marine in every sense of the word. And so recently, uh, you know, I follow a lot of the military folks that have YouTube pages and uh, channels and things like that. And so the Marine Corps actually released a video here recently and it was called Leadership Lessons from General James Mattis. I don't guess it was that recently, but I found it semi-recently. And the thing about General James Mattis, again, if you you just listen to him 
say quotes like that, or if you've seen him deliver quotes like that with his kind of dead face type of thing, you might get the wrong idea about this guy, that this guy is just kind of, you know, a knuckle dragging, you know, military guy, you know, no nuance, like no understanding. But the thing about General Mattis that most people know is that this is a guy that is incredibly, incredibly deep in his thought. This is a guy that's never been married. He's been a Marine since I think he was a teenager. This is just a guy who's been dedicated to being a soldier, but he's not adult either. This is a guy whose personal library is kind of famous. He has about 5,000 volumes in his personal library, and these are not just collectibles, right? There's a lot of guys out there that they've got a lot of books on their bookshelf, and they've read like four of them. It's just kind of one of those things. This is not one of those guys. He has read those books. He has studied those books and has given him a lot of different advantages. And so the cool thing about this video, this video is only like, you know, 16, 17 minutes long or something like that, but it is just absolutely chock full with a tremendous amount of wisdom. And so for any of you guys out there that are current Marines or former Marines, and yes, I know there's no such thing as a former Marine, but you get what I'm saying. For those of you uh, that are kind of in that area and in that world, you're going to understand a lot of this and a lot of this is going to be kind of right up your alley, especially if you've been in any of the other branches of military as well. But even for civilians, this is just going to be a great thing for you to hear, to hear from a guy like this that has been basically in every single type of leadership scenario you could think of, positive and negative. And so uh, the cool thing about this is he's asked maybe about half a dozen, seven or eight questions or something like that throughout this. And then he immediately gives his answers. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into the audio from this video. Again, of course, I'll, I'll put the video here at the end and you can just kind of go through, I'm going to go through them in order. And so sometimes I try to give you the clips like, oh, this clip starts at this, uh, this number or whatever, but it's, it's a shorter video. If you want to find the exact thing later, you can go through and do that because I keep them all in order. And so we'll listen to him and, uh, ask the question and answer the question. And then we'll kind of come in and out with, uh, what we have here. And so the first question that he has, I'll have him read it, but just kind of launch into it. It was basically talking about the toughest decision that he ever had to make as a member of the Marine Corps. So here we go to General James Mattis. Marionette Young asked me a question about the toughest decision that I've ever had to make while I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, do you regret the decision and would I have done anything differently? You know, Marionette, when we go into the Marine Corps, we swear to obey orders and carry them out to the best of our ability and defend the Constitution. So. I've not regretted those decisions, and, and one of the toughest uh, that I could mention to you was after being ordered to attack into the city of Fallujah, uh, I was ordered to halt the attack deep inside the city, and during that first and ultimately aborted attack, ordered to withdraw our Marines and sailors out of the city they had fought for, and they had lost some of their buddies in that fight. So it was a difficult uh, decision. Uh, it was a decision taken for reasons that had nothing to do with the tactical situation on the ground. I was concerned to a degree if the Marines would lose confidence in their leadership uh, because of it, but they didn't. I still recall a young saw gunner uh, being interviewed by a television crew talking about how terrible he must feel that he was being ordered out of the city and he was a slow-talking Marine from down south. He just calmly looked into the camera and said, doesn't matter, we'll just hunt him down somewhere else and kill him. And I bring this up because ultimately it's about the spirit of the Marine Corps that nothing, nothing really can stop us. And we just don't take refuge in self-pity or any of that kind of stuff. And so as a result, the Marine Corps remains a very feared organization in this world, as it should be. 
so tough decisions, tough times, and sometimes things don't go our way. Doesn't have anything to do with the decision we make about how we feel about it. Every Marine makes their own decision about how they're going to react, what happens to them. And that's what sets the Marine Corps apart, because when the times get tough, the Marines get tougher. A lot of good stuff there, but the big thing is not finding refuge in self-pity. I thought that that was a really interesting thing, because again, that, that first answer might seem a little bit overtly militaristic, which, uh, duh, this is a general, this is a Marine, it just kind of is what it is. But Marines are kind of known for having that indomitable spirit, right? The few, the proud, the Marines, these are some of the toughest guys. And here's the other thing, is I've got friends that are in some of the um, special operations community, and so in a lot of the different branches, and no one really has anything bad to say about the Marines. Like, the Marines uh, never have the most when it comes to budgeting, the Marines never have the most when it comes to just about anything. They don't have some fancy academy that you can go and get your 40-year degree from before you come in as an officer, any of those types of things. Just a different branch, right? But they do have an incredibly feared uh, reputation there. I mean, whenever they go in somewhere, I mean, the the locals or, or the enemy, essentially, they're not excited that they're there. Right. Not to say that they're excited that anyone that has to do with the uh, United States military would be excited about the Marines being there, but especially about the Marines just because of their spirit, just because of what they have to go through in training, uh, what they have to go through individually. And so I think this kind of sets him up Uh, again. If you weren't familiar with James Mattis, this kind of gives you a sense of who this guy is. But again, he goes into a lot of different areas. So let's go ahead and get into the next question here. Phil Claiborne wants to know, how did I continue to stay motivated throughout my Marine Corps career? That's real easy, Uh, Phil. I'll tell you right up front, there were some jobs in the Marine Corps I didn't care for. I learned to hate minefields at age 21 when the Marine Corps trained me as a second lieutenant in the infantry to go through them. And I continued to hate minefields as long as I had to encounter them throughout my career. But the reason I stuck around the Marine Corps was the spirit of the Marines. Uh, I knew I could make a lot more money doing something else and I knew I could live a lot better quality of life and not be deployed all the time. But it was the spirit of the Marines that kept me motivated. I never went to work feeling like, woe is me, that life is tough or anything else. I look forward to every day, and it's simply because I stuck around the Marine Corps for the right reason, and that was to serve alongside young Marines. The spirit of the Marine Corps. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I was listening to his answer to that question there, I'm like, this guy's a romantic. Like, in addition to being a complete gangster, this dude is a romantic because it was his romantic attachment, not in a weird sexual way, but it was his romantic attachment to the ideal of what it means to be a Marine. Again, you heard him there again. This isn't about self-pity. This isn't about, oh, no, not another minefield. Like, you're not going to get that from a Marine that's a real Marine, right? And so I thought that that was very interesting because those are back-to-back questions. And I'm not sure that this video was edited to kind of move questions around or anything like that. But again, this gives you a kind of sense of the, the fact that this guy was so drawn to the camaraderie that he was willing to go through the crap. And that's what you hear. That's what you hear from guys that are former military, still in the military, you know, athletes, former athletes, you know, fighters, former fighters, whatever the situation might be. It's that camaraderie. And, and again, just from the top of the episode, this wasn't, you know, planned, but I mean, that guy that sent me that message, he so desperately wanted a community to be a part of. He just happened to go out there and start it. You know what I mean? So let's go ahead and get into the next question for General James Mattis here. Joel Delph wants to know, how do you keep improving as a leader? to meet the demand of each role in your career. We all get promoted, you have different roles to play. How do you stay teachable as a leader? 
I think the most important thing here, uh, Joel, is that you have to assume you must keep improving. If you make that your decision, that you must improve, if you look at every week in the Marine Corps as your last week of peace and you must be better at the end of this week as a warfighter, then you'll push yourself on your three-mile run down to 18 minutes and you'll accept no excuses. You'll push yourself to 21 pull-ups and you'll accept no excuses. You'll push yourself to read the Commandant's reading list. You'll push yourself that when the things are going tough in the field, you keep your spirit up and you're the man everyone can turn to knowing that you don't give up. And you just keep improving every day with the assumption that if you're going to lead more Marines in the future as you get promoted, they expect you to be the physically toughest, the mentally sharpest, and the spiritually just the uh, most undiminished person, that nothing, not cold, not rain, not enemy situation, not frustrating rules can get you down. And you just maintain this body, mind, and spirit improvement at all times. You stay teachable most by reading books, by reading what other people went through. I can't tell you the number of times I looked down at what was going on on the ground or I was engaged in a fight somewhere and I knew within a couple of minutes how I was going to screw up the enemy. And I knew it because I'd done so much reading. I knew what I was going to do because I'd seen other similar situations in the reading. I knew how they'd been dealt with successfully or unsuccessfully. And so long as you continue along this line, so long as you remember somebody on the other side is watching, hoping that you're not at the top of your game, that you're not reading, that you're not working out, that you're not strong spiritually, then they're going to think they've got you. You want to always be the toughest, the sharpest out there. Man, so much good stuff there. Um, and he gets into some more things more specifically later. But to address a few things, from the top of that answer, he was basically saying, like, when you're in the Marine Corps, if the idea is that you need to be a better Marine tomorrow, you're going to kind of mold your life to basically filter into that singular goal, right? And, and he mentioned, you know, getting your three uh, three miles time down to 18 minutes, right? So that's, you know, three six-minute miles. That's scooting. Getting those 21 pull-ups in, like getting those standards done. Because those aren't things you just wake up one day and you can just do those things, right? But then he also, he kind of starts to introduce some elements of spiritual, mental, and physical resilience inside of there. He actually kind of mentioned it there without saying it. But he even talked about reading. He explicitly wanted to, wanted to talk about reading, which is not something that most people would expect from a Marine, if you're ignorant about the Marines. But what most people don't realize is there is a Commandant's professional reading list. And so I've included that here in the show notes, but this is an unbelievable reading list. And, and this is coming from a guy that's got a reading list, right? So if you haven't, if you're not familiar with ours, just go to undaunted.life backslash book list. You're going to get kind of our top 100 books that every modern Christian man should read list. But the Marine Corps has this down literally to a science, right? So I'm, I'm on the, the website right now, and there are some books that we have on uh, our list that are on their list as well, but they've got a list for entry-level enlisted, primary primary level enlisted, career level enlisted, intermediate level enlisted, senior level enlisted, entry level officer, primary level officer, career level officer, intermediate level officer, senior level officer, marine unit 
library program. Uh, well, I guess that's kind of the, the entirety of the program. Then you can nominate a book, how to use the guide. You've got an entire PDF on here. And I'm just going to click on one. So like if you went to senior level officer, uh, I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I mean, there's, there's a couple of dozen books here. There's a lot of books here. And, you know, again, when you get into some of the basic ones, like if you go into entry level enlisted, there's only, you know, five books there, but all these books are unbelievably important. And some of them are a militaristic in terms of tactics and, and moving your people here, moving your people there. But the, the big thing from this answer is just imagine how better you would be at whatever it is. If you felt like this innate need to be better at that thing tomorrow. I mean, you could use that any way you want, being a better husband, uh, being a better father, being a better businessman, being a better um, servant at church, being a better this, being a better that, being a better athlete, whatever the situation might be. How would your life look different if you had to do that? And so that's what I have this conversation with a lot of people a lot of times because, you know, I train so I can be in really good shape for a lot of different types of scenarios. So I'm not just strong, but I'm also fast. I'm not just fast, but I also have good cardio and I don't just have good cardio. You know, I can think while I'm, you know, tired, you know, all those different things are the reason why I train. But a question I do get a lot is, Kyle, what exactly are you training for? Because if you see someone running a lot and biking a lot and swimming a lot, and then you ask them, what are you training for? And they're like, oh, a triathlon. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm training for an Ironman. Yep. Yep. I can, I can totally see that. But when you do so many different things, people are like, you know, what exactly are you, are you working towards? And they're not exactly blown away by my answer. And I'm like, man, I'm just training for life. Like, you know, in the extreme scenario that I need to run a hundred yards at full clip in order to save my life, I can do that. If I need to run 10 miles at a good pace to save my life or someone else's life, I can do that. Like if I need to get somebody off of me or something off of somebody else, I've trained to where that's a higher likelihood. You know what I mean? Because I'm always looking at who I was yesterday, today, and I'm like, okay, am I better than he was? And the thing is, is I realize father times undefeated. I realize that there are going to be certain, there's a certain age where I'm not going to be able to jump as high as I could uh, when I was younger or run as fast or do things as long or recover as well. And I know some of you guys are in the thick of that right now where you're mentally there, but your body's not right. But just imagine if you kept that same mindset, imagine what you could do to father time. You could push father time off a bit and be like, look, bro, I know you're coming, but I'm going to put you off in the distance, right? You come for some people and then you get them by the time they're 22 or 23. You're not getting me for a long time. I just thought that that was a really, really awesome way to frame his answer to that question. But let's go ahead and get into the next question here. I've got a question here from Raul Jr. from Camp Rhino in 2001. It was in Southern Afghanistan right after 9-11. Raul, when you and I were out there and you asked uh, about a cold night in Afghanistan when I was walking the perimeter by myself, uh, greeting a bunch of young Marines, and what was I thinking about? Well, I think I remember the night in question. Uh, if you'll recall, the mortars were firing in one direction and we had a lot of shooting going on at one side of the perimeter. And the reason they keep some of us gray-haired guys around is because it's not our first war not our second war. And what I was doing was walking to the opposite side of the perimeter, just suspicious if the enemy was perhaps fainting on one side and they were actually going to attack over on your side of the perimeter. So I was over there knowing full well that the Marines at the position that we were being attacked would handle the enemy. I wanted to make certain we were ready for any surprises. So I was over there just uh, checking on the Marines, seeing how they're doing. 
and all of whom wanted to get over to the other side of the perimeter and get in the fight. And I said, oh, you boys just stay right here. There'll be plenty of fighting before this is done. So that's what I was thinking about that night, Joel. And thanks for being out there. It was a cold night. So not only is this guy a bad A, and not only is this guy a gangster, the guy is a sage as well. I mean, this is an answer, a very short answer that kind of gives you an idea of the wisdom of this man. Again, he he said it there at the beginning, which is basically like, hey, there's a reason why we have so many gray hairs in camp, because these are gray hairs that certainly can't run the miles as fast as the uh, 20 year olds or, you know, do as many pull ups as the 18 year olds. But at the same time, they have the depth of knowledge and understanding that can keep those 18, 20, 25, 30 year old Marines, not only keep them in line, but keep them alive. But the thing about it is, is, and you've, you've kind of get this idea with a lot of people in the military, but if you speak with anybody in the military, you get this sense that at certain points, like they are rabid dogs on a chain and they are just waiting for their CO to release the chains and let them get after the enemy. And to a certain degree, you want that. You want that for the, uh, for the men that are basically standing there between the front lines and your front door, right? Like you want that out of those people. But at the same time, there are different ways to hold those men back. And this was a very calm way that he did that, basically assuring these Marines, hey, hey, don't you worry. There, there's fighting going on right now. There, there's bad guys that we could go get right now, but don't you worry. We're going to go get them. And I think you see some of that, you know, if you remember his answer, I think it was to the first question you had that guy, you know, the Southern guy, you know, just kind of spoke really slowly and was like, basically, yeah, you know what? No big deal. Uh, we'll just find them and kill them somewhere else. We'll find the enemy and we'll snuff them out somewhere else. That's uh, again, that's kind of a, a very calm, cool, collected way for someone that you would just think that they would be hyper aggressive and default aggressive all the time. But that was a great answer there. Next question here. Jonathan Herrera wants to know. What is the one leadership lesson you learned as a general grade officer that you would wish you have known your whole career? You know, you learn all the way through, uh, Jonathan, at each rank, you're learning more. And if there was one lesson that came more and more into focus over the years, it was one I learned by watching similar sized units. For example, I watched dozens of platoons go through certain ranges or I saw companies, dozens of companies in fights. I always wondered what made one unit better than another. They were all well-trained. They all came through the boot camp. All of them, all of them had been recruited from America and they were quality young men. So what made them different? It was the junior leadership, the junior NCOs, the junior officers who's coaching whose animating spirits brought out the best in their troops, who had admired leadership. We all know that earning the trust and respect of your subordinates is critical. You you simply have to earn that trust. You have to earn that respect. You have to earn that every day. Because when it's all over and done with, you're not going to win any fights as a leader. Your troops are going to win those fights. But there was another word I learned to prioritize as I evaluated units, and that word was affection. It's not popularity with all the favoritism that comes with trying to be a popular person as a leader. That's a a road to failure. But affection that you create in a unit, an affection so strong that the troops will stick by one another, they'll carry out the mission even in peril. And I bring this one up because I believe that 
that kind of affection brings out self-discipline, where people don't want to let down the unit. And I think that if there is one lesson I learned along the way, that the more you can build that kind of affection in a unit, when the going gets tough, when people are getting shot down around you, it'll pull together, it'll pull through. And it'll be a lot smoother organization, it'll move more rapidly against the enemy, more fluidly against the enemy, and it will, generally speaking, have fewer disciplinary problems in garrison, whether it be DUIs, sexual harassment, or all that, that stuff that you see some jerks do. And on the other hand, when you're in combat, you'll find that they really play hell with the enemy because of what they sense about each other and the conviction they have to supporting one another, their commitment to one another. The big things I took out of that was junior leadership and affection. So with the junior leadership part, I don't know if it's different for you, but for me, I wasn't really expecting that to be the answer from the general, right? Uh, to, to say that, oh yeah, it's just up to the junior leadership. But those are the people that did kind of make the personality of those different units, right? And so, and again, it's kind of interesting to see a guy that's risen to the top and see that at different points during his career, he wasn't always in the best group because he even caught himself looking around going, man, what's, what's better about them? Uh, how are they better than us? And those types of things. But then it shows you his ability to discern the reasons why. And it's like, man, the, the junior leadership is, is so awesome. But then he brought up the word affection. Again, a word that you probably weren't expecting out of the mouth of a guy like that. But again, the, these people were affectionate towards one another. Again, not in a sexual way, but they're affectionate towards one another because they're affectionate towards the mission, towards the things that they're able to accomplish. And they understand the utility of doing those things in a group to doing those things as a team, as a unit. Like They, they understand how those things are important. And just think about it for yourself, uh, for any of you guys that are athletes out there or former athletes, think about the teams that were the best teams that you played on. I would take a wild guess here, wild stab in the dark, that there weren't a whole lot of divas on that team that were also poisonous to the culture inside the locker room. Just a guess. There are some teams that you're on where if you have two or three really good diva players on a basketball team, everyone can hate them, but you might win state. I understand those types of things happen, but it's typically whenever everybody was for everybody else. The coach was for you. The player was for you. Like the guy to your left and to your right, you knew that they were for you, right? It was more of a phalanx, right? As opposed to one guy being out in the front and taking on the entire army. It was it's kind of one of those one of those things that's very, very important. And I can only imagine, again, having never served in the military, how much more that must be important when to the left or right of you might be guys that are going to pass away or guys that uh, might have to leave the fight and never be able to reenter the fight for whatever reason, right? And, and you might be that guy to somebody else. And so that affection, being able to have that affection towards the people that are around you, I can only imagine that what that would look like when you're actually in it, when you're actually in the fight. All right, next question here. Philly Best 36. Where do you guys get these names? Uh, wants to know, what leadership books do you recommend? It's a great great question because the commandant's reading list is designed specifically to identify the very best reading there is on leadership. <clears throat> if you go to that, that reading list, you'll find Gates of Fire. And when you read Gates of Fire, you find you as a young leader will never face anything worse than what fighters have faced in the past. If you read Eugene Sledge's book, about with the old breed at Peleliu and Okinawa, you'll find the spirit of the Marine Corps overcoming the most difficult combat conditions. And again, 
you'll find that you will face nothing new under the sun. You will be able to overcome it if you keep your Marine Corps training and your Marine Corps spirit foremost. It requires you to do a lot of reading because there are many different styles of leadership. You must stay authentic to who you are, but at the same time, we expect you to lead in no uncertain terms. In the Marine Corps, you're not paid to have a midlife crisis or ask people to help you through your midlife crisis. You're there to give the enemy a midlife crisis, and that means you put your Marines together into a good, tough team, and by reading from the Commandant's Reading List, you cannot go wrong in getting different leadership ideas that will serve you very, very well. You don't get paid to have a midlife crisis. You get paid to give the enemy a midlife crisis. Again, there he is again. Now, again, I, I kind of got uh, the cart before the horse a little bit by talking about the Commandant's Reading List a little bit earlier. But again, he, he mentioned Gates of Fire, which is a book that is on our reading list as well. And when you read that book, yes, it is a novel. But when you read that, you're like, oh, my gosh, like that is what people were going through at that time. Again, at some of our uh, bases, like I've read about Bagram, like some of these bases, they've got movie theaters and bowling alleys and Starbucks, and they've got all these, these niceties. And I mean, you're at war. You're definitely at war. You would much rather be at home, but it's it's a far cry from what people were experiencing in past days. But again, it just kind of gives you that idea like, hey, you're put here to be resilient and take it to the enemy. You're not here to be on vacation. So I really like that he did that. And again, he's driving the point home. You got to read. I know there are guys listening to this podcast right now. They're like, oh, I don't need to read, man. I'm just going to do this or do this, man. And look, I get it. And technically, audiobooks is reading, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're taking in content that someone else created, right? I'm creating this specifically for you, but if you listen to other podcasts, that is content that people created. What do you think books are? So take in that content in any way possible. So if you want to listen to it, fine. If you want to read it, probably better. Like who knows exactly? Just get the content in. All right, next question. Sepia All The Things wants to know, what did you look for in your NCOs? And how should the relationship between an NCO and an officer complement one another? You know, Sepia, for all NCOs and petty officers in the Fleet Marine Force, I looked for two qualities. I knew I could trust Marines. I made that assumption. I could trust Marines. So what I was looking for was initiative and aggressiveness. I wanted them to have the initiative to take charge, the aggressiveness to carry out whatever the order was, I wasn't interested in them saying that something was difficult. I wasn't interested in the difficulty. Difficulty is, is uh, an excuse that the Marine Corps will never accept from its sailors and Marines, its petty officers and NCOs. So I looked for the initiative and aggressiveness and the ability to bond with their troops so that their troops looked at them as the admired leader, the toughest leader, the most capable leader that they could hope for. As far as the relationship between an NCO and an officer, <clears throat> there are some things that rightly belong to NCO leaders. These are things that have to do with the daily functioning of the unit, while the officer should be more concerned with being the sentinel, looking further out, making certain his ready, unit is ready for whatever is coming down the pike, whatever missions are coming, so he's always on the lookout for an enemy, for an ambush, this sort of thing, and creates that kind of combat hunter mentality in, in the Marines. But the NCO has got to make certain, <clears throat> the petty officer has got to make certain that the sailors and Marines look and act like Marines and they're ready for whatever is coming, whatever the officer brings down as the mission, 
They are ready to embrace it and carry it out. Initiative and aggressiveness. Now, this is something that I don't think he exactly spelled out, but it's something that as I've been thinking through his answer, I kind of got this dichotomy there that you have to have somebody that has the physical readiness to be aggressive, right? Because you could be hyper aggressive in your mind and be a couch potato and you're not going to be really, uh, really hard for the enemy to overtake, right? So you've got to be able to be in shape and be physically ready. Again, you have the mental side, but you got to be physically ready. But then having the initiative, I feel like that's a little bit more of the mental side. So again, when you think about Marines, you think Marines are just these robots that, Hey, go over there and kill those people. Okay. Like that's not exactly what it is, right? There's kind of this misnomer with a lot of people in the military. And you hear Jocko Willing talk about this a lot. If you listen to his podcast or read his books, but it's not just, these are mindless, you know, automatons that are just being sent off in different places. Like you can question, you can strategize, you can, you know, go above your boss's head to try and help. Not necessarily like that, but you can like go to your boss. You can go to the person that's above you and, and kind of express your, your disappointment or your disdain with a plan or something like that. But again, the thing that he was talking about with his NCOs, which is non-commissioned officers, but those are basically individuals that he wants to have initiative and aggressiveness. And just think about that, that you're looking down on the people that are underneath you and that are serving the military in a different way than you are. And those are the two things that you want them to have. And I think for us, for us as, as men that are just, you know, going to work in an office building or going, you know, to create businesses or just going and hanging out with our families or whatever the situation might be, can you Imagine what your life would look like if you focus on initiative and aggressiveness. And I don't mean being hyper aggressive, you know, going up to a bar and sticking your finger in someone's chest just to see who the biggest man is or whatever the situation might be. But it's just like, there are certain situations where you should be default aggressive. Like you should be absolutely aggressive about protecting your wife and children. Absolutely. You should, you should be aggressive about protecting yourself and people that are around you. And, and I think those are situations that, that God would certainly be okay with as well. If you're being aggressive for the sake of being aggressive, if you're being a bully, no, there, there's no substantiation for that whatsoever. But I thought it was interesting he brought it up. All right, next question here. Hey, Del Bono wants to know, again, where do you guys get these names? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come up with a few good ones for myself after this. Um, hey, Del Bono asks, what, in your opinion, is the most important leadership trait and why? There is no way to separate out the leadership traits because if you prioritize one over the others, then you actually become a weaker leader. You've got to look at all of them and how they come together that make you into the kind of leader that your troops want to follow and are willing to follow knowing you have the skill and the enthusiasm, you have the passion, you have the compassion that makes you the full package. Remember, what we want to do is make Marines and win battles. And you do this by creating a Marine Corps that is no better friend and no worse enemy. You can't be strong in one leadership trait and lackluster in another and be a good leader. So the answer to the question about which is the most important leadership trait, I think it's how you put it together in your own authentic way so you stay yourself, but at the same time you recognize your responsibility to put all the leadership traits together in one complete package. 
No better friend, no better enemy. Again, that those are some words to live by, but I absolutely love this answer because guys, if you've done as much reading as I have in the world of kind of like business and leadership, certainly when you get into more militaristic reading, you're going to have a lot of carryover, but you don't hear things explained in the same way. But I thought that, you know, this is kind of a typical question that you're going to get, especially for a guy like General Mattis, which is basically like everybody wants that shortcut, right? They want the magic bullet. Okay. What's the one thing that I can do? Like, what's the one exercise that I can do to make me faster? What's the one? One thing that I can do to make me smarter? What's the one thing to make me better at work or whatever the situation might be? And that's just not how life works. There's not a magic bullet right now in the previous answer, he just got through talking about initiative and aggressiveness as kind of the two things that he looks for, but he didn't say that those things are paramount, that those things uh, should be set above everything else and to the detriment of everything else that you shouldn't even look at those things. But again, if you're going to be a big time leader, if you're going to be a leader of men, if you're going to be a leader of women or whatever the situation might be, just a leader of people, like you, you've got to make sure that you have a good idea of the types of traits that coalesce into making a strong team. So I'm, I'm helping an organization right now that's you know in the very early stages of their organization and they're trying to figure some things out. I'm trying to tell them, I'm like, guys, you get to set the tone for the entirety of the company, but your hire number three, four, five, 10, 20, those are going to be the people that are kind of the cornerstone personalities for what you want to do. So it's not that you can't make a mistake. It's that you shouldn't. You should do everything that you can to make sure that you do things well. And Again, it's about how do they compliment you? Do they do things really, really well that you don't and vice versa? And those are things that are incredibly, incredibly important. So great stuff there. Guys, last question here. Let's go ahead and get into it. Roy McVeigh asks, what is the kill casualty radius of my knife hand? Well, uh, Roy, I would tell you that once you get to be a high-ranking officer, uh, the kill casualty radius is whatever your Marines make it. And uh, by the time I got up to the senior ranks, it was hundreds of miles. Uh, but uh, I would just tell you that I, I remain humbled that I was able to stay in the Marine Corps so long when young Marines like you would make that kill casualty radius uh, very deep in enemy territory and carry out the Marines' mission in a way that by the time you're a high-ranking officer, uh, basically, your your reputation is carried, made by you young Marines who went into the fights with the enemy. So the kill casualty radius, as far as you can throw it there, young man. Thank you. Again, that's, I mean, that's a very interesting question to get from a guy, but you know, it's, it's a very uh, militaristic type of thing, but I love the way that he answered it. And you could just tell, like, if you watch the video of him answering the last question, he gets about as close as you can get to, for General Mattis to a smile, it seems like, but you can tell that this guy just, he loves being a military man. He absolutely loves being a Marine and he loves the guys that he's around. And that is just something that you can see to where, you know, if he was frustrated serving under one administration versus another, or having, you know, a problem go on in this area versus that area. This is just a guy that is through and through an incredible, incredible man, an incredible thinker, an incredible leader. And it's guys like this that we should continue to take in. We should take in his thoughts and his actions and not worship at the altar of him and pretend as if he's some sort of a perfect man. We have a perfect man already that we can worship and should worship and follow. But at the same time, we can learn an unbelievable amount of things from a guy like General James Mattis. 
Guys, before we let you out of here, we'll do a quick resilience boost. As you know by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. And specifically, we do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, the content that I have for you, I've already talked about. So I've got the video, Leadership Lessons from General James Mattis. The YouTube link there, I've got that little one uh, where it basically talks about the nothing I keep other people awake at night. I've got that little clip for you. And then I've got the Marine Corps University Research Library Commandant's Professional Reading List. And guys, I would say spend a lot of time with that list. There's a lot of books on there. There's a lot of ways that you can use the resources on there, but I would highly, highly encourage you to do so. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Google Play and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us a five-star review. This is how the podcast will continue to grow. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2019 and all of 2020. So if you want me to come speak at your conference, on your podcast, to your team, to your whatever, hit me up, email info at undanta.life. Again, that's I-N-F-O at undanta.life. The website is www.undanta.life and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. Links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.